Thank you for joining me, Bertie Brits, in today's broadcast, our live broadcast of Dynamic Web Church. We are so privileged to have you in this service. Amen. Now, all I see is a camera, but I do believe that you are listening. We can see on our computer that there are people that slotted in, and that's part of this. So, um, I just want to say welcome to everybody that has slotted in. You are part of the family. We love you. We care for you. It's wonderful for us to correspond with you. It's wonderful for us to speak to you on, um, on a, a weekly basis. It's good to know that there are a lot of people that go into the archives that doesn't see this on Sundays. Maybe they're not there on a Sunday. Maybe they take off on a Sunday, uh, take the family somewhere or just go and do something. But at least people slot into... Um, our archive and then they watch it over there. Man, that is powerful to see how many people do go into that. We've got a couple of hundred people uh, that go into uh, our archive, into Web Church, and just see what that is. I think that is the most clicked um, button on the website besides Wordwell. So this is awesome to see that people want to be part of uh, internet congregation that preaches the message of grace. Hallelujah. So, if you're a first-time visitor to Dynamic Web Church, man, a special welcome to you. you. Man, this whole church is about people. It's about you. Seeing you established in the message of grace. You know, last night I was just reading in the Bible, and today we're going to talk about that a little bit, where Paul said, it's not about um, under which minister did you get born again. And uh, this whole thing about submission under a teacher and you part of this school and that guy's part of that school I'm part of Apollos I'm part of Paul I'm under Bertie I'm under TB Joshua I'm under Benny Hinnom it's not about that and then what he said there and this is what I want to say to you is that we belong to you that's actually what it's about we belong to you we are there to serve you with a message of grace hallelujah and if you can honor us if you can honor me today to say, I'm sure that the, the, the message Bertie is going to preach is going to be from God, then you will benefit through, through what I do today. Amen. So you are so, so welcome. Now what we're going to do, and the way it works in Web Church normally is, I'm going to share a scripture with you. This is not going to be our main message, but this is just going to be a short five minute message. Then we're going to go into worship. After worship, I'll speak a little bit on finances for five minutes. And then... Um, normally I'll speak on five minutes on finance if I remember, but I'll speak a little bit on finances and then we get right into the Word of God. Amen. That's how it works. So the reason why I quickly want to give a five minute message on the grace of God and what we're going to actually say today or what we spoke on last Sunday is for people that only want to slot in to see what this is all about. So maybe you just want to slot in for ten minutes to see what this is all about. So at least you're going to get a good idea. You don't have to wait until the worship is has finished and all of that, because maybe you're not into that. You just want to hear, what do I preach? What do I say? Now, let me give you a good example, and I believe and trust this is going to bless you. This is just going to impact your life. Luke chapter 18, from verse 9. Listen to this. This is such a powerful, powerful scripture. It says, And he spoke this parable unto certain which trusted themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not as the other men are, unjust, adulterous sinners, even as this publican. 
I fast twice a week and I give tithes of all I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Now listen to verse 14, this is really powerful. I tell you, this man, talking about the one that was a sinner, went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalts himself shall be abased, and he that humbles himself shall be exalted. Now this is such a powerful, powerful scripture. You know, the Pharisee, when he went to the temple to pray, he went with a mindset that he's going to go to a God that looks at his works. And he's going to go to a God and that he's got a relationship with a God that honors what you do for him. That honors your holy works. That's the faith that he went with. He went with faith that he qualified before God because of what he's done, because he believed that God needs those things um, in your life to say that you are qualified before God. So listen to this. Listen to the type of faith that this man had when he went to God. What type of faith did he have? What type of God does he believe in? The man that was the Pharisee, the Pharisee, he said, well, um, I believe in a God that justifies me through what I do and that honors what I do. Now, I don't say that God will not honor what you do, but um, this guy believed that God needed that good thing to be done in order for him to, to come to the temple and to pray and to have a good relationship with God. So this guy was coming with gratitude in his heart, listen to this, that he was getting something right in the kingdom of God and he thought that God was taking notice of the things that he does right. And that when he does things right, then God's going to just put that star on his forehead and say, well, well done, because you are doing only good things. Now, that was not what God was looking for. Not that God says it's wrong to do good things. But the, this parable, listen to verse 9, and, and why it was given to Jesus. And he said, And he spoke this parable unto certain, which trusted themselves, their own efforts, that they were righteous and despised others. And this is the way they despised others, to say, Oh my God, I thank you that I'm not as that sinner. And today we would say, you know, thank you God that, that I can go to church, that I can pay my tithes, that I can give to people, that I'm not like that person that doesn't even know you that's drunk every night. Now, if you know who God is, and if you know what Jesus Christ has done, you can't even think that way. It's impossible. I found in myself, not because of my own works, but because of the grace of God, that as I studied the message of grace, when I meet up with a sinner, now, when I, when I think of a sinner, I think of somebody that's not in the kingdom of God, that's not born of God, that's never believed in Jesus. Remember, everybody's not born of God. The Bible says those that believe are born of God. Amen. In First uh, John chapter 5. Um, when I meet with people, say some biker or somebody that doesn't know the Lord or some guy that's drunk or never gave his life to Jesus or somebody that's on the street corner that's just lost, you know, I can't think I'm better than him. It's impossible. Because the way you see him is, you see him as somebody that sins has been paid for. You see him as somebody that righteousness has come towards him already. You see him as somebody with the same value as what you have. Because your way of determining value changed. You don't see the value of a person in what he does for God. 
You see the value of a person in what God has done for him. That's the whole thing. Okay, so he was talking about people that was thinking of, I'm righteous by what I do. And then this guy came and he prayed, he said, I think that I'm not like this other man, like other men, unjust, adulterous, or even as this publican. So this guy was holy. He was living a good moral life. He had a life that says it's all about behavior modification. I need to modify my behavior here and modify it there. And he did modify it to the point that he was actually thinking that he could go to God and thank God. So, here he was. Listen to this. It's all vain. It's all, um, uh, how can I say, fake. This guy came and he, wa- he prayed with himself. God, I thank thee. So here he was thanking God for who he was. Okay? But he had a law mentality. If he could have said, he could have said, God, I thank thee that I am in your grace. That you died for me and through your works I've been made righteous through what Jesus has done. For in my own works I will never qualify. It would have been a completely different thing. Because then gratitude came from the perspective of, I am um, really uh, thankful because of what Jesus done for me. But when it comes to, well God, I thank you that I'm not like them, for I do this and I do this and I do this. It's just vain glory. It is, well, just wanting to put another pip on your shoulder saying, well, at least I'm thanking God, you know. We can't live like that. Now, I don't want to say that to condemn you because that might be in most people's lives. But this is the whole thing um, that I want to get to. There was a guy, a publican, but what did he believe about God? He didn't believe in a God that says, I only look at what people do. He believed in a God that says, I'll bless sinners. If he didn't believe that God could bless sinners, he would have never gone to the temple. Because in a man's actions, you can see what he believes. So this guy went to the temple. He believed in a God that justifies the ungodly. And then he said, Lord, be merciful on me, a sinner. And he prayed in faith, believing that God will be good to a sinner. Now, isn't that awesome? That is such an awesome, awesome statement. To think that God would bless a sinner. And then Jesus was more pleased in this this, this old parable with a man that was a sinner. And trusted that God will be good to a sinner than the man that trusted that he was good by his own works and that God blesses only those that does good. Man, can you believe that? That is awesome. That is the good news of Jesus Christ. So I want to say to you, if you're a sinner today, if you're someone that's never given your life to Jesus today, you can have faith in God that He can bless sinners. So if you can come today and say, God, bless me a sinner with eternal life. Bless me a sinner with your Holy Spirit. Bless me a sinner with a brand new life. Bless me a sinner with finances. Bless me a sinner with good health. Because you are a good God. And you are good to even ungodly people. And I believe that. I believe that Jesus died for me. An ungodly man. You shall be saved. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? Man, that is so good that we're going to go right into the worship now. And just worship God. For His goodness. As this worship goes, let the music just touch your heart. Let the words touch your heart. We, with a purpose, choose out music that's grace-based. So listen to this and let this impact your heart. And worship God from a heart 
of gratitude. If you've never given your life over to the life of Jesus, if you've never received the life of Jesus, during this worship, just say, Lord, I receive it. Thank you for saving me. I believe that you can bless a sinner like me. And you'll see that God saves you today. Enjoy this worship. Well, isn't that awesome? God is such a good God. We can just be still and know that He is God. So many times we want to be still and know what we must do for God. We must be still and know who we are in our own human efforts. But the gospel is all about who God is. And so many times we must just quiet down in our minds about what we do for God. And we must come to a place where we know what is done for us and where we continue to dwell in that. You know, um, if you slot into web church maybe for the 30th time and you are saying, well, Bertie, all you're talking about is just righteousness, what Jesus has done for us, the freedom of Jesus, and that's all. Um, when are you going to move on to something else? Uh, I've got bad news for you. Actually, good news. We're never going to move on. We're going to stay in this because that is the whole gospel. That is the war of the Christian is to continue to stay in this simple message. And we're going to look into that and into what Paul said about that because so many, there are so many areas of life where we are experiencing death and not the life of God because of a mind that is not absolutely in the freedom of God, absolutely in what God has done for us. And if we can get to that point, we'll get our mind renewed into what Jesus done in every area of our life. When it comes to grace, we will experience victory in every area of our life. Now, I can just say this. Um, yesterday, we, I spoke to my wife and I spoke to some of my friends and we just said, I, I feel such a joy in my heart, such a peace in my heart when it comes to the Lord and my relationship with God. There's just such a peace. And that could never have come through works. It only comes through understanding and believing the grace of God. You know, when it comes to finances, if we get our minds into what we must do in this world to prosper, and what we must do for God, and how pure we must live for God in order to prosper, we will never have peace. The, one of the greatest revelations the Lord gave me um, concerning faith is that we don't believe for something, but that we believe in someone. And that brings peace. Because if we believe for something, and we don't know the person that must bring it to us, we will always walk in doubt and unbelief. If we believe for something, say you believe for a new car, or you believe for a financial raise, you believe for a better job, or for a job, and you don't know the God that must supply that job, or you know Him in a wrong way, you think that He is conscious of what you must do for Him, before He will bless you. He's conscious of your righteous works, or good works, before He's going to bless you. If that's what you think, you're never going to have peace. You're going to be double-minded. You'll be unstable in all your ways. But true stability in the life of a Christian, when it comes to finances, is all based in knowing who God is. Knowing the Father. Knowing that unconditional love of God. Knowing that care that He has towards you. That is a, a true peace. That produces true peace. And that gives you that stability in your life that you need when it comes to finances. You need that stability. You need to come to a place where you say, Lord, you know, I don't want to stress every day. And even if I stress, can I, just excuse me, can I just quiet the dogs outside, please? That's a, there's some, we've got some puppies outside just making a noise. And uh, the people in the studio, they're listening to the message. They're not hearing the dogs, but I'm hearing them. 
Uh, okay, right. Um, let's continue. If it comes to stability, we need that unconditional love of God. And that's what will produce stability. That's what will produce that peace in our hearts. That's what will produce that um, I'm not going to try and change what I do to get God to do something for me, but will bring that absolute stability, knowing that God will come through every time when it comes to the unconditional love of God, when it comes to provision. You will know God's going to come through. He's going to love me. He's always going to love me. And I want to read a scripture in Hosea 11. Now, a um, couple of Sundays ago, I, I basically just preached on this message, on this scripture. Um, Hosea 11, here it is. And this is such a powerful, powerful scripture. Um, speaking of God's unconditional love towards Israel. It says, When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. As they called them, so they went from them. They sacrificed to Balaam and burnt incense to graven images. Here God says, I've called Israel. I've called him to me. But they didn't go to me. They went to another place. They went and they sacrificed to Balaam. I taught Ephraim I also, um, also to go, taking them... Uh, Man, I think I've got the wrong scripture. I think I've got the wrong scripture. Well, I've written it down wrong now. But what it speaks about is, God came and He showed His unconditional love to a nation that was just rejecting Him, that was not loving Him, that was not there saying, God, you know, I hear your call, I hear your unconditional love, you come to me, you, you've shown me love and I respond to your love. These people did not respond to the love of God. They went and they served foreign gods. According to the message, they served uh, uh, sex gods. You know, and God still loved them. And He said, how can I turn my back on you, Ephraim? How can I change my life uh, or my way of living towards you? I can only love you. I will only be good to you. I will only show you mercy, kindness and love. And that is what God tells us. That is what God says towards us. So when it comes to finances, we must have that stability in our lives called the stable love of God towards us. The love of God is what is bringing the stability. If you can know that God's love does not change, you will have stability when it comes to your finances and your future. You know, so many times we want to uh, connect our financial provision and our peace financially with how it's going in the country. And you might say, but Bertie, what about places like Zimbabwe where Robert Mugabe just started to chase everybody away, dump the whole country into poverty? What about that? Um, how will we survive? Many Christians became poor. But you know what's the wonderful thing about that? Even my stability is not in something. It's not in the fact that I will have finances. It's in the fact that God loves me. That means I will always have what I need. That's it. And if everything gets taken away, if we lose everything, it doesn't matter. Because in that time, God will give us something called long-suffering. An ability to endure things like that. God will give us an ability to be content with things. He will give us a mindset that we only see that which is good. And it doesn't matter what, what we're going through, we will experience joy. You know, if I look at somebody that lives in the squatter camp, with my normal mind, I think, man, thank God that I don't struggle like that. 
You know, just because of His mercy and His grace. But thank God that I don't struggle like that. If I must lose everything and go and live there today, it will not be nice. It's raining in the Cape and it's cold. And if that southeast or northwest wind starts to blow with rain in it and snow on the mountains, man, it's going to be cold. I don't want to live there. Walk wherever you go. Don't have a car. You know, electricity, the, the biggest thing is just to have enough electricity for the day. Because you, it, it's pay as you go. You, every day you go with a couple of rand and buy some electricity. I don't want to live like that. In my normal mind, I say, man, how can somebody live like that? But if a multi-millionaire looks at my life, he will say, man, how can, how can this guy live like this? But while I'm in what I'm living now, I find that I'm content, I'm happy, I'm joyful. I'm not walking in lust for stuff. I'm not lusting a, another guy's car or his airplane or his big house or whatever. I'm not in that. I've got peace in my heart and I've got contentment. I'm, I've got joy where I stay. I'm thankful for what I have. I'm thankful for the way it goes. God is good. Because in the situation, which to me is absolute abundance, I've got joy, which is to a billionaire absolute poverty, which he thinks he can never have joy in. I've got joy because of the stability of God's love towards me. That's what gives me peace. Not what I have, not where I live. Because if what I have and where I live is what gives me true peace, then only the richest of the rich, the the top three in the world, will be the only people that will really have joy. Because they will think, well, they've got enough now. But people under them will always have a need because financially there's always going to be a need because there's always something more. If you, if, if you own the earth, then you'll want to own some planets and stars and this and that and whatever. That's the way lust for finances, it is just that way. But when it comes to the unconditional, stable love of God, you get to a place where you know it doesn't matter where I live. The greatest thing in my heart is God's love towards me. And I know that which I need for tomorrow will be provided. If your need for tomorrow is that your children must go to school and must have clothes, clothes, that's what God will provide. It is provided already in the Bible. And much more. That's just the way God is. Now my much more and your much more and the, the persons that lives in the squatter camps much more is different. But God meets everybody where He is. And shows his love to that person. Now the greatest way in which God has showed love was not in how he provides for us financially, but in the fact that he gave his son, forgave our sins, made us the righteousness of God free from our works. That is the greatest love that he's shown through Jesus. And out of that manifests financial prosperity and blessing and all of that. So um, our minds is not supposed to be as born again Christians oh, I'm so stressed out about this thing and I need this and I need that and all of that. No, our mind is supposed to be on, I don't have to stress, or you must say, I find that I don't stress because my mind is stable in what God has done for me. My mind is stable in His great love for me and in that love is the provision for the right thing at the right time. And in my friendship with God, I can go and ask. I can go and inquire of him. I can say, Father, is it possible for you in Jesus and what is done in Jesus to provide this thing for me? And you will find the Father saying yes or no. Um, now you might say, Bertie, but God, God can just, how can God say yes to the one and no to the other one? Now what I'm saying is, if you go and ask God if what you need is, has been provided in Jesus, that means, is it legally right to have 
In other words, you can go to God and you can go and say to God, God, you know, I want um, uh, new tires for my car, or I want a new car, or I want another house. And then you can go and ask God, God, has that been provided in Jesus? If the answer is yes, it's yours. If the answer is no, in other words, if you go and say, Father, provide for me strength to kill somebody, it's not provided in Jesus. Because Jesus doesn't give us that strength. He gives us the strength to live His life, who He is, and to receive who He is and what He has and what He possesses. That's what He has given us in Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. So, true prosperity is not in how much money you've got. I remember when we, we lived in Potchefstroom, we had a house um, that was so broken and the cracks in the wall were so big, when the wind blew, it blew right through the wall. It's the truth. The grass was growing on the inside of the house through the wooden planks. It's true. It, it, that's the way we lived. But when I lived there, to me it was funny. You know, it was not a, a big thing. I laughed about it. You know, ah, oh, you see, look at this, look at this house where we live, man. The wind's blowing th- through the cracks. Man, tomorrow I'm going to fix that up and fix it up or something. Then the planks, you know, you would fall through. It would be so scary because you can anytime step through the planks. So, God provided. Somebody says, man, take out those rotten planks because there's some good ones in between and I will put in a concrete floor for you for the price of, for, for the payment of the planks because it was Oregon pine and, and, and uh, it's got a great value in South Africa and that's it. So, God provided. And then we got a second-hand carpet from somebody. And we put the carpet in there. But we were so happy because we said, you know, we didn't even pay for this. God blessed us even with the carpet. We didn't even pay for the carpet. My father-in-law had a contracting business and I think he took a carpet out of some restaurant or something and we put that in there. And while we were in that, we didn't see our poverty. We saw the love of God. We saw God's provision. So I want to say this, God will always provide for you where you are. And don't put your, your joy in, is this thing going to come through or not? Put your joy in the power of the gospel. And that is to make you righteous. That you've been made righteous, that you qualify for every blessing, that you have already been blessed with every spiritual blessing. That one of the attributes, one of the blessings, one of the fruit of the Spirit is that you can have Patience. Amen. Don't ever want to get to a thing where you say, man, I want to get rich quickly. Because that dumps us into so much worries. It dumps us into so much stress. I must get rich quickly. Now, Jesus Christ has already made us rich quickly 2,000 years ago. And the manifestation of that comes through faith. As you believe in His unconditional life, you will see that. And let it just flow. Don't try to force it to happen. The Bible says that those who want to be rich, they just, in Afrikaans it says, they just make life so horrible for themselves with a lot of worries and stress. That's what it simply means. So, um, you just, man, injure yourself. That's a good way of saying it. You just get yourself in so much stress because of, I want to get rich now quickly. Man, you're going to be rich. Don't worry. You're already rich. It's manifesting. But for you to get rich quickly is not in how much money you get, but in how quickly you can change your mind about money. That's how quick you can become rich. And I'm not talking about the manifestation of finances. I remember I went to um, a great man of God, Ed Elliott, one day, and I said to him, you know what? 
I became a millionaire. So he said to me, yes, what happened? Who gave you money? Did you get a business deal? What's happening? I said, no, I became content. So he said to me, yes, and? <laughs> you know, and it was as if you must have this money to be a millionaire. Now, yes, uh, to be a millionaire in money, and the, the reason why I said a millionaire was because in our minds we always think that we will be at a place where we're content and really happy when we've got millions. So, if you can be, if you can put it this way, True peace uh, is if you can pay everything and if, you do, if you, you've got more than enough. Okay? If you say one, like one equals one. So if I say um, I've got peace and I don't worry about money anymore because I know everything has been provided, there's enough finances. If I've, if I've got that peace and I say that equals millions because I must have a lot of rand or lot, millions of dollars to have that, then I can also say that if I got the true peace, then I'm equal to a millionaire. Because that's what we think people have that's got millions. Now, the day I became content, that day I was just like I always thought a millionaire was. Somebody that's not worried. You know, he doesn't worry where he's going to get petrol, because it's, there's enough. And I lived... From that time that I got that revelation in true peace when it comes to finances. Because I became rich in Jesus Christ. Knowing everything will be provided. Amen. And everything was provided. As I had any need, it was provided by the glory of God. So I want to say to you, when it comes to your finances, know one thing. God loves you. God cares for you. As, this, uh, um, as Israel and Ephraim in the Old Testament didn't even want to obey God, but God said, I cannot turn my love from you. I will always love you. I will always care for you. Um, I will not even let these bad things that you've done come over you. I'll help you. How much more us, who have been born of God, and that are His children, that are part of His body, that are seated with Him in heavenly place, how much more will He not provide for us? Know this, that financial provision is in God's unconditional love for you. That's it. And I can truly say, as I sit here today, I've got so much peace in my heart when it comes to finances and this ministry. Because of Jesus. Not because I'm saying, you know, this guy starting to support me and that guy starting to support me and at least this guy is really for the ministry and he's a great supporter. And You know, you can't have your peace in that. you rather have your peace in what Jesus has done for you and that God has always loved me and loves you. That's true peace. So, if it comes to finances, just know this thing. God loves you, man. Ask Him what you want in your heart. So, if you want a good job, ask Him for that job. Hallelujah. Amen. And you know that God can provide that for you in Jesus. Inquire of the Lord. Lord, is this provided in the cross? You know, sometimes I see people, they just run after preachers. They run after every service they can go to. Because, you know, let's see what this preacher can now give me. Now, the vision that we have is to see you having your own relationship with God. That's it. The vision we have is to see you study the Scripture for yourself and seeing the grace of God for yourself. That's what the vision is all about. It's not about you joining Web Church and seeing how many members we can get. Now, through this and having a pure vision, we can have a lot of people that join Web Church and, and that join churches that we plant and start. But 
that's not the number one vision. The number one vision is for you to see that you can have your own relationship with God, you can speak to God, you can hear the voice of God, you can hear Him speaking to you in the language of grace, which is His language, the language of God's unconditional love. And then you can get godly advice through praying, through studying the Scriptures, through hearing what He says to you, um, yourself, from a perspective of grace. Like I said, and as I introduced the 5-Minute Bible School, the 5-Minute Bible School is not there to get people to enroll into our Bible School. The 5-Minute Bible School, the reason why it's just 5 minutes, is to get you just thinking in a certain way, and then we give you the Scriptures to study, so that you can go and study for yourself, and get that revelation of grace by yourself. By God revealing it to you. So that you can say, it was not Bertie that taught me, it was not Dynamic Love Ministries that taught me, yes, they've started a spark, but God spoke to me. And God told me, out of the Scriptures, and I've got a revelation of His unconditional love and grace, and that will produce such a stability in your life. And that's what people need. Amen. And then when you come to Web Church, when you slot into Web Church, it is only for a confirmation of what God is telling you. Amen. That's what Paul says. The reason why we repeat and we repeat and we repeat is because it is, um, in the Greek it says, it's a safety net for you. It is safe for you if we repeat these things. So, that's why we want to continue to preach this message of grace. We want to continue to preach this message of, of God's unconditional love. Because as you study the Scriptures, as you get the revelation from God, it must confirm that thing that's in your heart. Hallelujah. Like I said previously, um, you know, everybody in the world has got an, an unction and a desire for grace. Everybody. When you, and like everybody, has got uh, intuition just inside him that says this is right and that is wrong. In the same way, everybody's got something inside him that just says, yes, grace is good and that's how it's supposed to be. And God is a good God. So I want to tell you this, that as we speak this message of grace, it will just... Um, you hear that confirmation in your heart. Hallelujah. You'll just hear in your heart, this is right. So flow with that confirmation that's in your heart. Amen. Your own spirit knows it's right and the Holy Spirit comes and He confirms it in you even by His supernatural power just giving you that, that feeling that says this is right. Not that I say we only walk by feeling but it's very difficult not to walk by feeling because every decision we make is basically... Um, based on feeling. And if you go and buy a car, you event, after you've done all the research, you've said, well, I've done the research, um, this car is light on fuel, it's safe, it's going to last me another five years. After you've done all the research, and when the research you've done on that car, and, and uh, all the information you got on that car comes together, then you get a feeling that this is good. Because it makes sense, and once it makes sense, it produces peace. And then you act according to what you feel. And I've seen it so many times. You make decisions based on information you get. Maybe you've got three or four facts about something, but you still don't have peace inside you. Because you need the right information, and then when you have the right, when you've got the peace in you, then you do it. Yesterday we've been to a, um, to a, a, like a flea market. And we, we, you know, people are selling everything. The one guy will say, you know, this 
type of honeys like this and this and this and this and he gives you all the information and as he gives you the information he tries to get you to the place where you feel you want it because if you feel you want it that then you act on your feeling amen so I want to tell you this that when you hear this message of grace and you feel that acceptance it's good you can flow with it you can flow with it. Because maybe, because everybody inside himself has also got a thing that wants to, uh, when he hears the law, you know, you must do this, you must do this, you must do this. He's actually hearing that those deeds are good deeds, but then he thinks that he must do them in order to be good out of a law mentality, and then you also hear that confirmation. And then it brings the vision. Now, once you are in grace, once you are established in the unconditional love of God, you will come to a place where when people preach the law, you will just you will not hear any confirmation anymore. You will just feel, man, there's nothing good in that. You will just feel, this, this is wrong. This will kill me. And when you hear grace, you will experience this is a true thing. So, when you hear this message of grace, flow with the power of the Holy Spirit and what He places inside you. Now, let's go to Romans. Amen. Let's go to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. You know, there's a difference between righteousness and good works. As I studied the scriptures, I realized that so many times we want to use righteousness, or when the Bible says we must do righteousness, we think that it speaks of good works. There's a difference between righteousness and good works. It's very easy. You can go and look in the Greek. You will find when it says righteousness, it speaks of righteousness. When it speaks of good works, it speaks of good works. Simple as that. There's a difference. It's not the same thing. So, if righteousness is not good works, we should not confuse the stuff. So many times we say, well, God made you righteous, then we think, well, now we must do good works. That's not what it says. It just says He's made you righteous. It doesn't talk about your works. It's just made you righteous. That's it. So, if we've been made the righteousness of God by Christ Jesus, we've been made the righteousness of God by Christ Jesus through the wisdom of God, not through our wisdom. Now, I want to define wisdom. Wisdom is the correct action upon truth. The correct action upon truth. Now, there's godly wisdom and there's worldly wisdom. Godly wisdom is the correct action upon what Jesus has done for us, and that is belief or faith. Amen. That is wisdom. So, it's wisdom for a Christian is to believe. Wisdom for the world is the correct action upon truth, which is the law. I'm talking about the truth of the world is the law. The Bible says your law is the truth and then the Bible New Testament says that Jesus is the truth. So in the Old Testament, the law was the truth. So wisdom according to Old Testament is obeying the law. Now the wisdom of a Christian is knowing what Jesus done and believing it. Believing. It speaks about actions. And the action of a Christian, the greatest action you can... The greatest deed he can ever do is to believe, which is a gift of God. Hallelujah. So, righteousness is what happened to you because of Jesus and that manifests in your life when you receive it by faith. I became righteous. It doesn't mean that my works has changed. It doesn't mean that anything in my life has changed. Because it speaks of righteousness. Righteousness is a stand or a place that you stand before God. A way in which you stand before God. Righteousness is a good standing before the Lord or approved of God. So we are approved of God 
free from the works of the law. For Jesus Christ was the end of the law unto righteousness. So, Jesus Christ was the end of, I'm righteous by what I do. So, I am righteous by what Jesus done, free from the works of the law. That means, if I don't do anything good, but I believe on Jesus, I've been, I'm righteous. Okay. So, know this, there's a difference between righteousness and good works. Now, when we are made righteous and we are born of God, we are also created for good works. So, uh, when you become righteous, and the righteousness of God starts to indwell you, and you, through faith, receive your justification, you receive a new nature, you receive the Holy Spirit, and out of that, and God then made you, so that good works will come naturally out of you, and then you will start to do good works. Now, there's a reason why I say this, because we're going to get to scriptures that's a little bit difficult to understand, in John, where the Bible says, those that are righteous do righteousness. Or, you know, so that sounds difficult. Those that are righteous does righteousness. So, it, the way we see it is that those are, that are righteous, they do good works. But it doesn't say good works. It says righteousness. Now, and it, it's a bit confusing, but as you study this out, and as the Holy Spirit gives you light on this, you'll start to understand that there's a difference between righteousness and good works. And you'll start to experience the liberty that there is. That, yes, you can expect good works to be in your life. And it's supposed to be there. Amen. That's the outflow of belief in Jesus. That's the, the benefits of being a Christian, is God gives you a new nature. He gives you a righteous uh, um, life, a life where righteousness manifests in the form of good works or where you are so righteous that good works is in your life. Hallelujah. So, we've got good works already inside us and we've been created for good works. And that is a gift of God. I just want to say it this way. It's something you've been made for. It's like, I'm, like using a broom. A broom has been made for, designed to sweep with. So if that broom says, well, look how good I am because I can be used to sweep a floor. I mean, <laughs> it's foolishness because he's been made for that. The glory is not to him, it's for, to the one who made him. You know, it's like uh, so many, it's like a car. If a car says, look how good I am because I can transport people. And uh, because I transport uh, because I can transport people, that's why I'm good. No, no. You are, that car is what the engineer made him to be. And all the glory should be to the engineer and not to the car. And that car is only what he has been made. That's it. So, in the same in your life. You are only what God made you to be. So, glory can't come to you by your good works. So, if God made you to love people, if you love people, it's not a big thing. It can't be accredited to you. Look how good this man is, for he's loving people. No ways. It only shows the goodness of God. Amen. And so many times we want to just take this thing for ourselves. And I've seen it so many times, and this is what Paul wrote about. He said, I don't find any fault in myself. But the fact that I don't find any fault in myself doesn't mean that, I'm not, uh, th- that I am now approved of God. I'm approved of God because of His judgment. Because of the way He thinks about me. Hallelujah. So when you do good things, say this, Man, God is living in me. 
Amen. Don't say, well, look how good I am for I've done this. And like I said prior to the worship, the moment you start to get this mentality, your life changes. And the way you look at sinners, the way you look at people that don't, have not accepted the Lord, the way that people that drink and that are drunk and live together and do things that are just wrong according to the law, when you see them, you you see, you, you man, you see them in a much higher level than what you normally saw them. Because when you were looking uh, at them according to the law, you looked at them and said, man, they are low class. You know, they just these sinners, you know. But when you start to have the mentality of grace, and the mentality that these good works that's in me is God living in me, not my own effort, then you see yourself and them at the same level. That's it. It's just the way it is. You don't see yourself higher than anybody or somebody lower than you. You see people as people that's got the same value. Because Jesus paid for us all. The only difference is that I know about this and He doesn't know about this or that He chooses not to believe it. That's all. That's the only difference. But value, when it comes to value, we've got the same value to God. Amen. So know this, that righteousness... Um, when the Bible speaks of righteousness, now go and read the Bible and read, uh, when you read the word righteousness, say this to yourself. It does not speak of good works. So when the Bible says you've been made righteous by the blood of Jesus, when you read that word righteousness, say it does not speak of good works. It only speaks of my righteousness. Hallelujah. Your qualification before God. He's made us qualified. That's a good word to, for righteousness. He's made you qualified before God. That's it. it. doesn't speak of your works. If somebody qualifies to, uh, for a job, it doesn't mean he's done the job. He's just qualified. So he's made us qualified. He's qualified us through his blood. Amen. And then as we enter into the job, as we know how, this, how to function by grace, and as his grace has got power in our lives, we find that love flows out of us. As we meditate about the right that we have, who He is in us. We find that compassion flows out of us. And that's what we can expect as Christians. And this is a scripture I want to read in Romans. Chapter 6. It says, Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, His servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. Now the obedience there does not talk about obedience to the law. It talks of obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now it says in verse 17, But God be thanked, that you were sinners, that you were servants of sin, but you have obeyed from your heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Being then made free from sin, how? By obeying a certain form of doctrine. Obedience to a certain form of doctrine is simple. It is believing a certain form of doctrine. That's it. So what he actually said is, you've been made free from sin when you believed the gospel of grace. That's it. Being then made free from sin, you became servants of righteousness. So when you are free from sin, then you became the righteousness of God and then a servant of righteousness. I speak of the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. Verse 20. For when you were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit had you then in those things whereof you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. So what he says is, listen to this. You get... Um, obedience to the gospel, then you get righteousness, which comes because you've obeyed the gospel, and then you become a servant of righteousness, and then you start to bear fruit, and that's good works. 
So, when people were under the law, they were free from righteousness. They were delivered from righteousness. So they were unrighteous. And because they were unrighteous, they weren't, other word for unrighteousness is called sin. They were a servant of sin or a servant of unrighteousness. And because they were a servant of unrighteousness, because they put their faith in their own ability, then they started to bear fruit unto death, which was called dead works. So, for us to have good fruit in our lives, it's not to say that we are going to try to bear good fruit because we the Christians now, and you know, a Christian is supposed to live a holy life and we now are going to live a holy life. We're going to pay our taxes. We're going to love people. Oh, bless God, we're going to give to the poor. Because we are now Christians, we must do it. That is not the way you're supposed to live. The way we are supposed to live is simple. It is we need to hear the gospel of grace. Then believe the gospel of grace, which is an outflow of just hearing it. Okay? There is a place where you must make a choice if you're going to go with what you believe or not. Because um, as you hear the gospel, faith comes into your heart. And then you must make a decision. Am I going to go with what I believe or not? You know, so many times people don't do what they believe. And you say, Bertie, that's not the truth. Yes, it is. You know, if you, um, you, you can get people, they, they believe with all their heart it's bad as smoke. It can kill you. But they don't do what they believe. They just smoke because they also believe it's nice to smoke. And they'll rather go with that belief or that faith. So when you hear the gospel of grace, you'll find belief or faith coming into your heart. And then you must respond to that. So that faith that comes to you when you hear the gospel, that's a gift of God. You can't even work it up. It comes to you as you hear the gospel of grace. It's not for you to say, well, I'm going to have this great faith in God now. No, no. Great faith is a fruit of what you've heard. That's why so many people don't have great faith, for they've only heard the law. That's why they've got small faith. Because small faith is a faith that says, by what I do, God will bless me. Great faith is a faith that says, God blesses sinners. And people that don't do anything good. That's great faith. So, if you haven't heard a gospel that promotes great faith, you will never have great faith. If you've only heard a gospel that promotes small faith, which is a works-orientated gospel, you'll only have small faith. But the faith that you have comes through what you hear. It is as simple as that. So, we as a Christian, as righteous people, what do we do? We hear the gospel. It brings grace into us and faith. Then we decide to correspond or to react or to flow with that faith that we've got in our heart and that belief. And when we believe that, we obey that form of doctrine. Then we are obedient, according to the New Testament. Once we are obedient, then we were made the righteousness of God. Because we believe in Jesus and we are made righteous, we are servants of righteousness. Then we are doing righteousness. That's doing righteousness. Listen to me. Doing righteousness is believing in Jesus. That's doing righteousness. Because not believing in Jesus, seeking justification by your works, is evil. It's doing unrighteousness or sin. And then once you are in righteousness, once you are doing righteousness, you will find that you are a servant of righteousness, and the fruit of being a servant of righteousness is good works, and then you'll find good works in your life also a fruit. Amen. That's the gospel. 
We can't say, um, we can't take righteousness and say, well, righteousness speaks of good works. No, no, it doesn't. It speaks of your stand before God. That's what it speaks of. It speaks of your right because of the obedience of Jesus to commandments, laws and rules. <clears throat> and even because of His great faith. Hallelujah. Amen. In the law, you first had to do a lot of good things before you were seen as righteous. Even if you were righteous, and, or a good person, let me put it that way, you first had to do good things before you would be declared good. But we are declared good with the goodness of God, or the righteousness of God, because we believe, because He obeyed on our behalf. Amen. That's the way it works. So, I, I just think that we must come to a place where we really in Scripture separate good works from righteousness. Now, you might say you can't separate, separate the two. We can separate it in this sense. That we say that good works is an outflow of righteousness. Righteousness is the fruit of believing or obedience. And obedience is believing the gospel of grace. And if you get those things mixed up, you're going to have a gospel that is written down in 1 Corinthians. Let's go to 1 Corinthians. 1 verse 17. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 17. You know, some people asked me that I should just uh, say the scripture again. Uh, just over and over. So, I'm going to do it over and over. 1 Corinthians 1 17. 1 Corinthians 1 17. 1 Corinthians 1 17. Please don't forget it. Amen. Oh yeah, and my sister asked me to greet her. Dalian, I greet you. Thank you for watching this morning. Amen. <laughs> okay, 1 Corinthians 1.17. Listen to this gospel. This is the gospel that we can fall into if we don't understand this thing of uh, grace and unconditional love and mercy and, and what is righteousness, what is um, good works, what is those things. If we can't distinguish between obedience, righteousness and good works, we will have a gospel that's got no effect in our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 17. It says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, this is now Paul, but to preach the gospel. Now listen to this. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. So what he says here, he says, He came not to preach the gospel with wisdom of words. Now, so many people misunderstand that scripture and say, oh, you know, we, um, uh, and, and they actually say that you're not allowed to teach revelation. And now when I talk about revelation, I talk about the application of Christ in different things, which might sound complicated. And what they're actually saying is that, you know, the people that are, uh, um, I didn't come to preach the gospel with wisdom of words, so I'm not using the Greek and the Hebrew. Man, that's not what it talks about. If you say, well, you don't need use the Greek and the Hebrew because that's wisdom of words and that's not the true way of doing it, then you've got a problem with Paul. For he preached in Greek and he preached in Hebrew. And you've got a great problem with Jesus because he just spoke Hebrew. So, um, that's not what it's talking about. The, when it talks about wisdom of words, it's talking about um, what you must do for God talks about the law. Let's read on. Um, in chapter 2, verse 1, And I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not 
with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. So he said, he didn't come with this excellency of speech. Now you must know, in the, um, in the, the old Jewish way, the way they functioned, people were very worried about how they pronounced the words, how big, the big words they knew, and all of that. And they were also, it was all about how they know the law, and how you're supposed to apply the law, and the law says this, and the law says that, and it was, you know, the ten steps to victory over here, and five steps to victory over there. That's a type of wisdom of words that Paul talks about. Now, he said, I did not come to preach, to baptize, but I preached the gospel not with wisdom of words. In other words, not with, and I want to put in my own words here, so that you can understand it, not mixed with the law. Not mixed with my obligation to Jesus Christ through what I do for the kingdom of God. He didn't mix it with that. He says, otherwise the cross should be made of no effect. Now, let's read on. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. Now, the law is not seen as the power of God by grace people. Or Christians. A true Christian sees that the law has got no power unto salvation. And a true Christian says, a person that understands grace says that um, I don't want to be part of the law for it takes away the power of the gospel. Now let me explain this to you. The law says, by what you do you become. Grace says, by what he's done we became. Now if I take, if I put in laws that I must do to become, then I put the power of my salvation in what I've done for God. And then the power is not God's power saving me. You know, now we are saved by God's power. God's power is God's ability to take a sinner and save him. Not a righteous person and save him. To take a sinner and save a sinner. By him forgiving the sinner, by him taking the sin of the sinner upon the cross, All of that without the sinner doing one good thing, only the sinner believing that he has already done these things. Then the sinner receives it. But Jesus did it 2,000 years ago. That's the power of God. The power of God is this. I can go to a sinner and say to him, your sins are forgiven. That's the power of God. So Paul came and didn't come with wisdom of words. The right wisdom of words would be, Stop to do all the wrong things, start to do some right things, and believe in Jesus and you shall be saved. That is preaching the gospel with wisdom of words. Listen here, you can preach the gospel, which is the message of Jesus, with wisdom of words. It says, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words. For there were people preaching the gospel with wisdom of words. Wisdom of words saying... Do these things and believe on Jesus, then you shall be saved. Now, the moment you do that, then you're making the cross of no effect. Now, what effect does the cross have in our lives? This is the effect of the cross. The cross, by the cross and what happened there, I am saved. I'm a sinner that got saved. And my salvation worked this way. He saved me from my sins. He didn't save me because I stopped with my sins. 
He saved me because of the obedience of Jesus. And I am obedient by believing that. When I believed that, He made me righteous. When I was made righteous by what He's done, He gave me His Holy Spirit. When He gave me His Holy Spirit, I received the being of God. And because of all of that, the last of all things is, I've got some good works now. You see, salvation and good works is very far apart. You know, you can't connect your salvation with good works in the sense of good works, by good works I'm saved. You can't do that. Because you first get saved, then you get a renewed mind. After you've received your renewed mind, then you find a change in life. That's the way it works. You find, then you only find, you will not find a change in life because of, I've tried hard. No ways. And the reason why I preach this, and the reason why I put such an emphasis on this, and that Paul says, I'm not preaching with wisdom of words, lest the Christ, uh, the cross should be made of no effect. Like he said here um, in verse 3, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of spirit and power. So what, well, how did he come? So many times we say that was only signs, wonders and miracles. It doesn't only speak of signs, wonders and miracles. He came in the demonstration of the Spirit and power by preaching Jesus. Amen. Then people got saved. As they believed, it was the demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God saving sinners. Amen. And I also believe it includes signs, wonders and miracles. Hallelujah. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You know, that power that it says, the demonstration of the Spirit and power, could not be a message that says, um, signs, wonders and miracles. Because then it should read like this. Uh, I did not, let me read verse 4, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of signs, wonders and miracles as power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the miracles of raising the dead and uh, uh, healing the blind and opening deaf ears of God. Now, let me tell you something. Your, our faith is not in the healing power of God. We believe that God heals the sick. But our faith for salvation is not in that. Our faith is in the power of God. What is the power of God? The power of God is the gospel of God. Which, that's what it says in Romans 1.16. Let me read that. And can you believe it? I've got ten minutes left and I've preached for an hour. Um, Romans 1 verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of of God unto salvation. So what is the power of God? It's the gospel. The message of grace is the power of God. So what Paul came, he came and he demonstrated that people can be saved by the Holy Spirit and by the gospel. So that people's faith, and he explained this gospel message, so that people's faith would be in the power of God, that God saves sinners. Through His grace. That's the power of God. Your power is, by what I do, I'm saved. The power of God is, He saves sinners. He justifies ungodly people. That is the power of God. 
And so many times we are preaching such a weak message. And that's why Paul said, I've come to, and I only knew Christ and Him crucified. Not, and then you do this, and then you do that, and then. He only knew Christ and Him crucified, and that's what He preached to people. He only preached Jesus, and what Jesus has done for you, and then you believing that, and that is it. That's the power of God. Amen. Saving people. That's a true, true power of God. And then, um, out of that, we receive our righteousness. As we've received our righteousness, we also receive the Holy Spirit. As we've received the Holy Spirit, and all of this can happen, it happens in a day. As all of this happens, we've received the Holy Spirit, then we also can receive what's called the baptism, or the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And then we receive signs, wonders, and miracles, which is uh, gifts. Sometimes we mix these things up. When it talks about the power of God here, then we want to mix it up with uh, gifts. When it talks about the power of God, it talks about the message of grace that saves people as people believe in it. Amen. So I want to tell you this. And, and um, man, I've, we can see if we can work in one other scripture than First John. But I, want, I want to tell you this. As a Christian, expect the following. That God will bless you, doesn't matter what. Amen. Believe in a God that justifies ungodly people. You'll have a constant, stable life. Hallelujah. When you believe that and you believe the grace cross message, you will find that the Bible says you are now righteous. And you've received the Holy Spirit. You've received a new life. Amen. The old thing has been has been dealt with, you'll find all of a sudden your flesh, when I talk about flesh is, uh, and I want to just clarify that there, I talk about your, your sin ability, your desire for wrong things dies. And the passion for those things dies. Because Jesus Christ, when He died, he, the, he, He crucified the flesh and the evil passions of the flesh. So when you believe Jesus, it's not you trying to stop to sin, it is sin dies in you. It dies. That's what happens. That's when you will not walk with us envy anymore. You know, this guy's got this thing, that guy's got that thing. I've seen it in my life, you know. When you were under the law, you always measured, you know, this guy, he's got a new leather jacket, oh, he's the blessed of God. You know, he's got now a new watch, you know, he bought himself a a very expensive Seiko watch. Oh, yes, he's the blessed of God, you know. And um, it's, it's the, the, the shoes he wears and the car he drives and, and all of that. It's all competition. But the moment I got under grace, nobody could ever impress me with what they wear or drive. They couldn't. But what impresses me is what people believe. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Because that's valuable. Now, it's... And why I say that is sin dies in you. Envy dies. As you get into grace, as you come into the thing that says, you know, I don't live anymore. Jesus died my death. And when He died, didn't just die for the punishment of my sin, but He died. That man that is justified by what He does has died. And when you are seeking justification through what you do, you've got evil passions inside you. And when that man that seeks righteousness through what he does died, the evil passions died with him. 
So many times we think that when Jesus died, He died for my sins and only for my sins. And then we think it of this way, He took the punishment for my sin upon Him. Yes, He did that. But He also, the Bertie that seeked righteousness through what He's done, the Bertie that got blessed through what He does, died. It doesn't exist anymore. But there's a new Bertie now, the one that is created in the very image of God because of faith in what Jesus has done and because of what Jesus has done. Hallelujah. He lives now. That's called Christ in me. Amen. Hallelujah. So, when you believe, let me just summarize this thing. You believe this. You believe in a God that justifies the ungodly. Amen. Then you are made righteous. And then out of that flows good works. And don't say this. You know, this is just half a thing. I always use this when I preach in the colored communities. I say, if somebody brings you um, some meat, or, or slaughters a lamb, gives you the whole lamb, are you going to say, well, you know, uh, I'm not going to take everything. I'll just take a little, little bit. That's fine. Are you going to just eat a little bit and throw the rest away? Or are you going to eat everything? Man, you'll eat everything. You know, because the whole thing has been given to you. Some will be in the stew. Some will be on the braai. Whatever. You know, it, it's just going to be, you're going to enjoy all of it. You're not going to just have some of it. The same with the gospel. Why do you want to say, well, I've, I've, I, I believe... And what I expect of God is that He died for my sins only. No, no. Expect and now believe that He died. The man that seeks justification by what He does has died. Amen. And a new man has risen up with God. And that is the one that's been recreated by God and the Holy Spirit. And we are made new. Amen. That's who I am now. Hallelujah. And that person has got good works. Amen. Expect that good works. That's mine. I'm not going to settle for anything less. Good works is mine. I am a giver. I am somebody who loves people. I am somebody that has compassion. I am somebody that wants to, when I see the need in somebody's life, I want to share the gospel with him. That's who I am. When I see a beggar, man, I give him something. It's just the way. And, and then the law says, don't give to him because he's going to buy alcohol. Yes, I know he's going to buy alcohol, but I can't help myself. I want to give to the guy. I've got good works in me. I've got long-suffering. I've got kindness. I've got peace. I've got righteousness. I've got all those things. Faith, temperance. All those things that is inside us. It's already ours. Hallelujah. And I believe that as Christians, we can be people and we are people that manifest the power of God. And the manifestation of the power of God is this. We, number one, the first manifestation of power, the power of God is, you are made righteous. Hallelujah. That's a manifestation of power, man. God taking a sinner and justifying him. That's power, my friend. That's greater power, let me tell you this, than raising a dead man. That's greater power, I mean in the Old Testament under the law we saw the dead being raised. Hallelujah. But what about the new? What's the greater power in the new? The greater power in the new is that God takes a sinner and justifies him. God does not impute our trespasses against us. There was the power of heaven now manifested. It was so powerful that God became a human being. Imagine what miracle that is. 
God became a human being. Then He took away the man that was justified by His works and recreated man of which Jesus was the first begotten from the dead. Amen. Then we were after that born again from the dead called the law. We were born out of that death into life which is called the message of righteousness. That's the power of God, my friend. Amen. Don't... Put that power down. And then what? that's the first miracle that happens in your life. The second thing that happens there is, you say, man, I'm the righteousness of God. And out of that you start to see the benefits and the characteristics of a person that's truly righteous flowing in your life. And settle for that. Amen. The Bible says that when you were under the law, you were enslaved unto sin. Don't be enslaved unto sin anymore. You're free. You are free from it. You're not under the law and the effects of the law which brought a lust for stuff, a lust for things. Man, get free from that lust for a new car and that lust for those things. It's good to have a new car. You're going to have a new one anyway, man. God loves you. Don't lust it. You're going to have it anyway. It's just the way it is. Hallelujah. Now, I'm thinking we're running out of time. Uh, John chapter... First John chapter 1. Now, Second John, John chapter two, First John chapter two, from verse twenty-six. Let's read verse twenty-nine, and next Sunday I will just take it up here. It says, "If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone that does righteousness is born of God." Hallelujah! So I want to know this. If you know that God is righteous. I want, I want you to know this, that everyone that does righteousness is born of God. Now, does righteousness means that believes the righteousness message. And the Bible says that the righteous, if you are truly righteous of God, you will love your brother. Now, what that means is, is that if you are in the righteousness of God and if you are born of God, you are into this righteousness thing. And you love your brethren. That means those who believe the very same message. You love it. You are in love with this righteousness message. That's what it is. It doesn't mean you... It says brethren. It doesn't say sinners. And the brethren then were people that got saved into the message of grace. 